0: Good morning to you all, and welcome to Summit Drive. Uh, if you're new or a guest here, or uh, and welcome to those who are joining us online as well. My name is Dave. I'm our lead pastor here, and uh, if you've been away last week or something like that, uh, I've been away for like six weeks uh, until last week, um, and just returning from sabbatical, uh, just a short sabbatical over the summer, which was really wonderful. So thank you for uh, supporting me and being able to just take some time to uh, to just not be on, which is wonderful. <laughs> you know, this week I had a, a FaceTime meeting with uh, Rebecca, who is one of our missionaries in Ukraine. She's, she's back there now in, in Chernivtsi. and if you're not aware, Rebecca has been called to serve in a sort of Western Ukraine area. She's working in Chernivtsi, basically sharing the good news of Jesus by teaching English lessons in that city. And also, she disciples a small group of women from their local church there as well. Now, this this spring in May, she returned to Canada for, for a couple months of, of rest and renewal and family time. And, uh, and we started meeting regularly just for prayer and encouragement, and we decided to keep that going just once a month as well so I could give updates to you and uh, just to encourage her as well. But this summer she prepared to go back as well that was the other thing she was doing she was getting ready to serve again and and you might think like what on earth would compel somebody to move back into what's effectively a war zone, uh, a dangerous place like that. And in our conversation this week, even she told me she had, she had just been walking through the city. You walk everywhere there. I went in 2019 with her and, and Eric, and we visited Dan, another one of our missionaries, and you walk everywhere, okay? So you, you put on like dozens of kilometers, it seems like, every day. And, and she said this, this week when she was back, she was walking through the city, I don't know, just one walk, three separate occasions, she saw people just weeping in the streets. Earlier this summer, I had her share as part of the message on Sunday, and and I asked her, why are you going back? And she told us that Jesus came to live among us, sent by the Father into a risk-filled situation to demonstrate God's love, and that she was extending that same mission And and in fact, she was participating in that very pattern of mission, of being sent as Jesus was sent. She said she was not going to abandon the people that God had called her to love. See, hers is a call to bring peace and hope into a situation that is literally breaking apart. You know, we are a part of that same movement, that same story. Because the weeping isn't just in Ukraine. Ukraine. We may not see it as obviously on our streets in Kamloops, so sometimes that happens too. But there is weeping, there's grieving, there's hopelessness among our neighbors as well. Maybe you know it personally too. And so, like Rebecca, we too, all of us, if you're a part of the community of faith, if you've trusted Jesus, are a sent people. The church, all of God's people are are sent by God sent with his peace, sent with his purpose, and sent with his power. And and so we're just now in the final, this is the very last message of our summer series called Shaped by the Spirit, the fruit of life with God. In it, we've been looking at how the Spirit of God generates in us and empowers us to live with the very character that we see in Jesus himself, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul calls it in Galatians 5. But in these last two messages, I really wanted to focus not on just the, the, what those fruit are or what God is bringing to bear in our life, but who the Spirit is and what the Spirit is calling us to. Last week, we saw that the Spirit is the one who fills us and who forms us. And this week, you know, we're taking the next step as well. There's another step that we need to see. Is, and I think this is what sets us up for the year upcoming, too. See, as we come to life in God through trusting in Jesus and the work of the Spirit in us, shaping us, He also then sends us out. The Spirit who fills us and forms us to be like Jesus also empowers us for mission, to be God's sent people for God's purposes of bringing God's peace to the world. Let's just pray now as we uh, prepare to hear this text together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are here today gathered in this room or, or wherever we're at, in, in wherever in the world listening to this. We, we know that we have come together because of the work that you have done through Jesus, your Son, in the power of the Spirit. And so we pray now that as we turn our focus on you, as we, as we look to you, Jesus, that our hearts would be, well, they would be wide open to what you want to say to us, and how you want to be working in us, and cause us, Lord, then, to respond with uh, with hope-filled obedience and love for you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. This morning, we're going to listen to the way that John records Jesus' first resurrection appearance, how he shows up to his First disciples, his closest followers. See, after Jesus dies on Good Friday, his body is taken down and it's buried in a tomb that's in a garden. And that morning, some of the female followers of Jesus, some of his disciples who were females, came to to prepare his body because they didn't have time to, to, to do the proper burial thing. So they show up at the tomb and it's empty and they have no idea what's going on. They, they, they run back, they tell the other disciples, and a few of them, two of them it says, run to the tomb, and they look inside, and, and it's empty, but they're utterly confused. They don't actually know what quite has happened. And so, Jesus shows up that very night to them. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to John 20. I'm going to read starting at verse 19 and to 23 On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now that final line, I know, it's, it's confusing. We'll come back around to it soon enough, but it's incredibly important too. But first, let's, let's just step back and, and get a, a wide angle view, just the broader perspective here. Look at that first line again. On the evening of that first day of the week pause that first day language picks up earlier if you flip to John chapter 20 verse 1 it says early on the first day of the week while it was still dark and that language if you're a bible reader and 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 John's audience would know this stuff they would just be hearing Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 that's what would be in their in their head and and three it speaks of Um, That opening scene of the Bible speaks of the first day of God separating darkness and and light. And the Gospel of John, from the very first words of it, is self-consciously speaking about creation and new creation. That's Like John, John is said to be a theologian of creation. In the beginning is how John starts the Gospel. That's how the whole Bible starts too. So he's bringing us right back to the very opening story of creation. Why? To show us that God is doing a new creation work. This is the story about how God is is bringing God's kingdom and it's breaking in on us. So the fact of that first day of the language, our first day of the week language, it's incredibly significant. We'll see how more in a moment. But I want us to focus. I actually want us to go back from the text we read and just look at the experience of Mary Magdalene for a moment. She's one of Jesus' earliest followers. And she's the one who'd come to the, to the garden tomb. And and the text then pictures her as, as crying. Like the tomb's empty. She doesn't know where Jesus is. And so, yes, these, these tears of Mary signal this moment of hopelessness for her. And I actually think that connects with our moment. I was thinking about that conversation with Rebecca about people crying in the streets. It co- It connects to the sense of like, what if this place that we're in right now, what what if this place of brokenness and loss, of grieving, like what if that's all there is? And that's where she is, and that's where many are today. So Mary is crying, and then we read that she's, she's talking. These two angels begin speaking to her, and they're asking her, why are you crying? And she says this in verse 13, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. And then we read this. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And and they begin to have this conversation about why she's crying. And and then we read this little line. It said, thinking he was the gardener, just stop. We don't know why she didn't recognize him. Maybe her eyes are just so full of tears. Maybe the sun's behind him. We We don't know. We're not told. But she was not expecting Jesus, the one she saw crucified to be standing there speaking to her. She had no expectation for Jesus being alive. So she mistakes Jesus for the gardener. My question is, why include that detail at all? (laughs) Well, only because this is saying much more than what we see simply on a surface level. True, she thought he was the gardener. But she's unintentionally saying a whole lot more than she even knows. Question. It's a trick question, so maybe don't answer quickly. It is a trick question. Question, is Jesus the gardener? Well, no. (laughs) There's the trick question part, right? No. Not the gardener she's thinking of. But, well, let's see this. It was was my friend Christoph, who's the gardener at um, a Barnabas It's a camp on Keats Island, Barnabas Ministries. He pointed this out to me, and I think he's right. Remember, John's gospel is self-consciously drawing on the creation story. The whole thing is. All over the place. And God is described in the opening chapters of Genesis as what? A gardener. Genesis 2, verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. We have a picture of God as the gardener with his hands in the dirt, forming a space for humans to flourish. That's what God is doing in his creation. He's making a place to put his image-bearing creatures into. Is Jesus the gardener? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, I told you it was a trick question. It's like, no, no and yes. Yes. Gardener, in the sense of the capital G, gardener. She mistakes his identity, but in doing so, she's she's saying much. So you think much more true and on a level that she doesn't even know. Just like God the gardener had planted and brought about the, new, the creation at the beginning of all, so now Jesus, remember, Jesus is God come in the flesh. Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, is ultimately destroying death, everything that, that ruins creation. He's bringing about the new creation on the day of his resurrection. So historian and biblical scholar N.T. Wright is right. He says of that opening line in our text today, on the evening of the first day of the new creation. And Jesus' work on the cross of his bearing our sins and defeating evil and death, he's bringing about a whole new world. This is creation reloaded, you might say. And everything he's about to say next to his disciples and by extension now to us, his community, Everything is about this new creation work. It's about sowing hope and peace and wholeness. That's the mission. See, notice what Jesus says next. We read that these disciples were afraid. They're afraid of the Jewish authorities who know that they've linked themselves up with Jesus. They're afraid that they're going to be dragged out and hung on crosses as well. But that fear in this next moment is transformed. It's transfigured. It's taken up and, and changed Just look at what we hear next. Jesus came and stood among them. That alone, we read in Luke's gospel, brought another level of fear. They think he's a ghost. They they have no idea what they're seeing. And so Jesus showing up in front of them actually makes them more scared. Remember, the doors are locked, and yet he shows up there. But then he says, peace be with you, and he shows them his hands He shows them his side like this really is their friend, their Lord, in a real body, really back from the grave, and he has the scars to prove it. So their fears begin to dissolve as they stand in the presence of the risen Jesus. And in its place, in the place of that fear, we see joy welling up. Overjoyed, we read, when they saw the Lord. They see him for who he is, the risen one. Now, some people have said this peace pronouncement, it's just really the the typical Jewish greeting. It's like saying, hello. But I think there's much more going on here. Notice Jesus repeats this peace blessing. and, And the writer even signals that it's a repetition by saying, again, again, Jesus said. Why would you repeat your greeting? It's awkward, isn't it? The repetition tells us, pay attention here. So let's do that. First, just pay attention to the fear. The disciples, I think, had plenty of reason to be afraid. Every Jewish messianic movement, and there had been several before Jesus came, every one of them ended with the would-be Messiah being killed, and then their followers being crushed and dispersed, killed, many of them. They're expecting the same. No wonder They're scared. No wonder the doors are locked. But here Jesus is. It says, among them, and this greeting, though, yes, it is standard to some extent in the Jewish world, it's really a summary of what he's just accomplished for them on the cross. He's bringing reconciliation, peace between God and humanity. And his resurrection, the fact that he's he's standing there alive, this signals the beginning of that inbreaking of the kingdom, of the new creation come. See, the word peace is is shalom in Hebrew, and and it means wholeness, completeness, soundness, or total harmony. Things are as things were always meant to be. That's what peace means in the Hebrew language. It's not just an internal sense of well-being, though it includes that. It's God's design for relational wholeness at every level. At, at, at our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with our own self, and that's that internal one, and our relationship with the rest of the created order. This is the world healed. This is healing that breaks in. No wonder their fears turn to joy. Jesus has defeated death itself. Whatever happens now, whatever pressure or persecution they face, and they will face plenty, actually, they can now see that it's not ultimate. So the question for us is, Like, what if we just lived with that today? What if you recognized that Jesus was alive and with you and in you through the Spirit? How would that recast how you see or experience your fears, how you respond to those fears? Uh, Sometimes fear is just there because, well, because of all the what ifs, like, yeah, I, I just don't know what's going to happen next. Well, what if this happens, question mark? Some of you are students. You're, you're going to school. You're going back to school. Maybe you're going to university for the first time. And some of you are, are teachers. You're educators. And you're going back to school again as well. And so for different reasons, you may be facing this sense of, like, trepidation that comes with the unknown of a new year. You might have a lot of reasons to feel afraid in this moment that that aren't related to school either. Our fears will be there. The question is never, will I fear? You're going to. We will. Of course we will. The question is never, will I fear? But it is always, will I let fear drive me? Will I let fear drive the way I make my decisions about the way? Will I respond out of fear? So we will have fear at times, of course, but we have one very big reason not to let it drive us. Because look who's in the room. And look what he brings, his peace, deep into our hearts. A peace that's for the whole of the cosmos, and it's coming. We sang today, King of Heaven, come down. The the very ending words of the Bible are a cry for Jesus to come and be present again and bring his perfect peace. That's what we're asking for. That's what we're praying for. And it will come. And the the resurrection of Jesus guarantees that that day is coming. So this is a call. Hearing this peace pronouncement, peace to you, Jesus is saying, is a call for us to trust that he has won, that love has won, even when I feel afraid. Listen to what he says to his followers earlier in John's gospel. As he's preparing them for his going to the cross, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Some of you, and you know what, I'll include myself here. Some of us need to hear that again today. When we meet the risen Jesus, we have a deep-seated security because of his love for us. We have a confidence that comes from knowing who we are because of whose we are. Then look what Jesus says after this peace pronouncement. This is just going to get thickened up every time we peel a layer back. He says this, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The word as is operative here. As, like, in the same manner. In the same way that the Father sent me, says Jesus, with his love and blessing, that already rests on me by his power and his spirit that fills me and leads me and for the sake of bringing god's shalom to the world as the father sent me in that same way i am now sending you yes that's that's a word for jesus first followers yes they had a unique calling in their moment they saw jesus they touched him after his resurrection So they had a responsibility to bear witness to that, but we today, we're still caught up in that same mission. We are still called to extend the same message of of hope to our world and in every corner of the world. Gregory the Great, which is a pretty fantastic nickname, I would add, I like to think his friends just started calling him that as a joke, and then somehow it got written down in the history books, and, and, and we take it seriously, but... I digress, and I digress badly. Gregory the Great, writing in the sixth century, he supports this idea of linking that peace that Jesus gives to the disciples with this authority to go out and pronounce the forgiveness and healing work of of God. He says it like this, you see how they not only acquire peace of mind concerning themselves, but even receive the power of releasing others from their bonds see Jesus delegates his authority of being able to release others authority to his trusted servants to do that they point of course to what Jesus has done and they say here and only here is forgiveness you can find peace in what Jesus has accomplished for you but only there And so practically speaking, our purpose, the mission we now extend, is based out of what we ourselves have experienced. When we experience peace with God, and we know that deep security of receiving His love deep into our hearts, His forgiveness of our wrongdoing, when that gets into our hearts, how could we not bring that same peace and hope and renewal to others? We who are sent by Jesus are sent to be like Jesus in terms of our character. That's what we've been looking at the whole of the Fruit of the Spirit series. That we would go, we would go with his love and his joy in our hearts and hands. That we would go giving generously for the sake of others. And we would do it with joy because Jesus is still in the room. He is present with us by his spirit. And as he was sent out of love, so we too are also. And now we get to the heart of how. There's this sort of enigmatic phrase that we see next. He says, and with that, right, with that commissioning of his followers, as I was sent by the Father, I'm sending you. And, and, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I know. In a, uh, in a world with COVID as a reality, uh, the idea of someone breathing on us, speaking moistly, it just seems wrong. But we have to see the many, many layers of what's going on here. First, the word for spirit in in Hebrew, ruach, and in Greek, pneuma, both of them can be translated spirit, wind, or breath. And so even just linguistically, it makes sense of what Jesus is like, that that breath and spirit are, are linked, at least at the linguistic level. But something even more interesting, I think, is that if you're familiar with the Bible you were probably thinking, where have we heard this kind of like someone breathing on someone else? And your mind is going to go back again to Genesis chapter 2, to the creation story. There we see this description of God forming the human out of the dust of the earth, and then God breathing his breath, his spirit, into this person to become a living being. This is that. This is self-consciously and and straightforwardly picking up on that creation story. This is God the Son recasting the creation story with his followers so that everyone who puts up their hand and gives their yes, you now have the breath of God in you bringing you to life. This receive the Holy Spirit language, it's preparing them for the fullness of what's to come in Acts chapter 2 for sure of the Spirit coming and filling them and empowering them, but it's also marking out how Jesus makes his people new people, how he brings us to life. Like I said last week, everyone who turns in trust to Jesus, they receive the Holy Spirit. That's how the gospel gets applied to us. That's how Jesus becomes present to us at all times. So this breathing on the disciples marks them as those who are now alive to God. But here's where it comes to the mission part. The Spirit is working to extend the work of God in us and through us. We are empowered to live like Jesus. We've seen that the whole series. But more, we are empowered to lead people to Jesus as well. We have to see this. What, you know, what, em- what empowered Jesus' ministry? If we are sent as he is sent, what does that look like? Well, listen to how Peter describes Jesus. He's speaking to a group of of Gentiles, actually, that are gathered in a home. This is in Acts chapter 10. He knows he's not even allowed to step over the threshold of that home based on the Jewish law at this point. And yet God has called him to step into that home and said, you need to go there. And so he's in this kind of really strange place of crossing boundaries. And, And here's what he begins to say. He opens his mouth and begins to speak to this group of people gathered in the room. He says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And we see this in Jesus' life. Luke 4, verse 1, this is at basically just right after his baptism. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Luke 4, 16, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And then Peter continues... He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. That's a a spiritual force, a person who is at work to oppress and bring people away. It says, because God was with him. So how did Jesus live? Full of the Holy Spirit and full of power. And what does he do with it? He brings healing. He brings release from oppressive forces. He, He does miracles. He does supernatural things. And yes, actually... He grants that his followers, we see it in the New Testament, would be able to do some of those same things as well. As God enables them, it's always God's choosing and prerogative to make it happen. And yes, that's a bigger conversation for another day, but it's true. God still grants his people the ability to pray for miracles and see them happen. I've seen it happen. I've got a two-volume work. I was going to bring it out here by Craig Keener recording just examples of that in recent history that are verified at different levels and he acknowledges that but it's wonderful come and borrow those books from me you'll be encouraged all that to say is that the spirit who filled led and helped jesus in his mission is the very same spirit who fills leads and empowers us to do the same things to announce his peace to the world that's broken and here's where this touches down for us a the spirit will offer us help comfort, encouragement. He'll even remind us what to say in these moments where we're, you know, drawn into this ministry he's called us to. This week in staff meeting, I, I always share my messages and kind of where I'm going with our staff, and I get input. And I just thought Ru shared a really great example of what the Spirit's help is like, and she gave me permission to share this. She was talking about this. Um, she had finished her degree program, and she was writing basically her you know, chartered professional human resources credentialing exams. And she said she was totally overwhelmed by the process. She was also seven months pregnant. I don't know if that was maybe (laughs) a contributing factor to feeling overwhelmed. But she had this wise mentor who who had been with her in the process. And in those moments where Rue felt like giving up or was just unsure what to do next, the wise mentor would encourage her. She would offer these little suggestions that would just fill her with confidence. She was that voice that would say, Rue, you can do this. And remember this. You actually know this stuff. One of the names Jesus is is given in the New Testament is uh, paraclete, which means advocate. It's a person who comes alongside us like legal aid and gives us comfort and encouragement and reminds us of who we are. It's a person who stands beside you to help you navigate challenges. And we are promised the Spirit's help as our advocate. That means that as you go out into the world, you go out with the powerful presence of God, the advocate, the Spirit, in you. Reminding us even of what to say. Reminding us of who we are. See, we're called to be those who work for the healing and new life even in our city. What does that look like? Well, we, we partner with organizations like the Mustard Seed. We've been working with the Mustard Seed for three decades as a church. We support them financially. We send people there to work. And and, and that's a work of caring for the, the physical, the social, and the spiritual needs of those who are street affected in our city. Just this week, I, I got to take a walk around the building again and just talk with their leadership about how we can continue to support their work, and, and I just, you know, took some time in, the, in their, their day room, their outreach center. It also includes a counseling clinic, a foot care clinic. They serve well over 6,000 meals every month to people in our city. But they also have, like, a year-long men's recovery center. Did you know that? It's pretty fantastic. And they're doing amazing work. They also have a, a soon-to-be-opened women's shelter. We're a part of that. Uh, our youth camp, actually just a few weeks ago, they went down to serve at the Mustard Seed. And one of the teens em- emphatically told Ben afterwards that it was his, it was his favorite part of the camp. <laughs> and then Ben just said to me, he, he said, it makes me think of just how much joy we experience when we join God on mission, when we partner with what the Spirit is doing. And that's so true, Ben. Joy is the right word. Here's the second thing, B. We are joining God. With what God's Spirit is already up to. Peter went into this place that he didn't think he should be. He was prompted by the Spirit to go there. And as he begins to share the gospel message with them, he begins to, to talk about Jesus, his death, his resurrection. And, and it says that as he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came on these people, and there was evidence of the Spirit's presence in them that, that was, uh, was uncontrovertible. Uh, What's the right word? That's not it, it's not in my notes. That's why I write things down. Undeniable. That'll work. Thank you. Appreciate that. They begin to speak in other languages, just like in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit, we find out, was already at work in the hearts of these people. Peter got to join in. He got to be the person who explained about Jesus. But even as he did that, the Spirit came and filled these people, and they became followers of the living Christ. This is true for our work as well. It really is. I saw this quote from a preacher I I really appreciate, and it was on the Alpha website. Alpha is a ministry we're a part of, as well as a church. We'll be running it again this fall. Daryl Johnson says it like this, evangelism, which we could loosely translate as good newsing, sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. Evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. I love that. that. That's... Like, if, if God opens an opportunity for you to share Christ with someone else, know this. You're not starting the conversation. It's not about you. It's about what the Spirit is doing, and you get to join in with that. We're simply joining in with God's work already. Last week, I shared a little bit about how God gave me a vision for this block party idea. It wasn't my idea. It was really generated out of the, just this prayer time and these, like, nudges of the Spirit and prompts and, I shared how God even supplied the means, the funding, for us to actually bring this into reality. And it came to be in in 2019. We ran the first one. And I'm so excited for next Sunday. You can come on up, Sean. I'm going to invite my friend Sean uh, to come and share a little bit about his experience. Uh, But we're running this block party, as you've heard, this morning, um, next Sunday afternoon. And I just want to invite Sean to share a little bit of his experience with us. You can just talk real close into that and then we'll hear you, Sean. So, I, I just want to hear, I, I want us to hear, I know your story a little bit, but I want us to hear a little bit more about your experience of the block party as someone who had no connection to Summit Drive or really the Christian faith prior to that moment. Would you just tell us a little bit about that?
1: Uh, it's been uh, a real eye-opening and, and wonderful couple years. Um, and it all started at the, at the block party. I had no... Uh, I was an atheist, I I believed in science, and I liked history, and I was curious about things, and um, I was also going through a a tough time in my life, Uh, and I was wanting to know more. I was searching, you know, for answers on my own. I was trying to internalize everything we see and read and kind of come to my own conclusions. At the same time, a friend of mine happened to have a birthday party at, at McGowan Park, and he had an extended family, and I thought, oh, great. You know, it was a nice day. I went to his birthday, and he had this huge party. There was a band playing and a bouncy castle, and um, wow, he got a lot of friends, <laughs> and um, so I went over to get a hot dog, and uh, yeah, it was actually, you're associated with the Summit Church, was having their block party, so it, was not, it wasn't all, his, some of his family was there, but um, so uh, yeah, I just um, felt really warm, and uh, I was surprised that they would be doing this in, in the community and and just um putting on this uh mu- you know wonderful music and um everyone seemed pretty happy and to be enjoying themselves and um later on that evening I, I went home and um i just fired off an email to summit church um you know just a spontaneous thing that i did and um didn't really think about it uh, and then the following sunday i Just walked in the door over there and a wonderful man came up to me and shook my hand and he said you must be Sean and my name's Harry and um, yeah okay Uh, wow you guys are really friendly here (laughs) but um, came in and um, went to that service and uh, afterwards Harry invited me to meet him for coffee and you know just kind of explain what what God was and what the church was. And I talked, we kind of debated, really. I mean, I talked about what I told him, what I felt, and I, I was, I just didn't really understand it. Um, and, uh, uh you know, yeah, I didn't, didn't have a clue, um, about God and about religion. And, uh, so it was just a slow process of, and Harry is very patient. And everybody in the, in the church that I met was so welp- welcoming and, 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 open. Uh, yeah, it was great. And um, so that was just the start. I just kept coming and then eventually um, uh, invited me to come to Alpha and, um, you know, just kind of continued this this whole message of um, uh, being open and, and welcoming and explaining uh, um, to me. And, you know, they use this term about the, the good news, and I'm, what does that mean? You know, I don't know what that is, good news, what are you guys talking about? But, um, slowly through Alpha, and, uh, listening to Nikki and, um, Pippin talk about, uh, you know, he, he was an atheist, he went to university, he just sat down and read the Bible, and, um, you know, came to his own conclusions, and realized that, you know, it was a true word, and, um, so I continued, and, uh, you know I started to realize um, through my own inter- internalizing and thinking that the good news is a wonderful story it's just that we're all loved and um, we're all loved by God and and uh, you know I, 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 you welcome that in and, and, and just foster that feeling and and uh, eventually I realized that you know I wanted uh, Harry approached me about being baptized and and uh, I felt I was ready to be baptized. So that was January uh, 12th, 2020. And so that was a pretty fast process. That was like six months, I guess. Yeah. And um, anyways, I'm still coming here and just, it's just wonderful and so slowly learning and, uh, and growing. Yeah. Hey, Sean, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> we,
0: I'm just so excited. It was, it, he walked in yesterday, or last week Because he's just been faithfully a part of growing and learning and so sean we're just so grateful for your story that reminds us to continue um, to be a church that's wide open to to the mission that god has called us to so i thank you so much for sharing your story with us today yeah bless you this block party it's a lot of work there's a lot of resources that are getting poured into this time energy prayer And it's our joy, why? Because God loves the world he made. He loves our neighborhood and our neighbors. And we wanna build bridges that say we see you, we love you, we're for you. We wanna create points of connection that demonstrate the love of God for others, the joy of God's life in us to those around us. We send missionaries around the globe and we send them across the street. We want to support missionaries in far off lands and in our own city too. And so as the worship team comes and as we prepare for the table, I, I just want to give two more brief encouragements. You know, I just realized that I lost that um, communion cup I had. Is that my one? Oh, you did. Thank you. <laughs> You're not going to get it back, No. Here's just two other quick things as we prepare our hearts. And if you didn't get one of these, maybe just put up your hand and an usher will bring you if you wanted to. I don't know if that got missed for you on the way in. But um, if you put up your hand, one of our ushers will, will bring you a communion, of uh, the elements here. Here's the first thing. Each person, this is kind of our, our point C. Each person who's trusted Jesus, we're given good gifts by the Holy Spirit. God's people are a gifted people. We're gifted, as as 1 Corinthians 12 says, so that we each can play our role in the body of Christ for the building up of the church. We all have a different role to play, but we all have a role to play. We need you. We need your unique gifts and passions and heart uh, because we are one body in Christ. That's one of the things that this moment of communion signals. It signals that we are together, that we are communing, not only with God but with each other, that we are one body in Him. And last, the vitality for these missional endeavors means using the gifts of the Spirit in the way of the fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit makes us both deep and wide. Deep in the sense that the Spirit fills us and actually completely renovates our hearts and our character. We're changed from the inside out. And wide in that we're gifted and sent to join God in His mission to the world. That might mean helping young people in our community understand God's deep love for them. Maybe it's volunteering in our kids' ministry area. We need people there. Maybe it's working with our youth ministry or young adults. We need people there. But we don't just need bodies. We need people who are filled by the Spirit and filled with the love of God for others. People who will be sent in the same way as Jesus was sent. So now as we come to the table, we come to a table really that Jesus has set for us. If you're unfamiliar with with communion, this is is something Jesus uh, asked his followers to do on an ongoing basis, until he returns, actually, to remember that his body was broken and that his blood was shed so that we could be brought to peace with God, to wholeness. And not just peace with God, but to that wholeness of the new life that's coming in the new creation. So we practice this once a month together. We take the elements, this wafer and and the cup. Now, COVID has meant that we've shifted to using these things, these little things, which are admittedly a bit awkward to open. But what matters here is is not what packaging it comes in, but the reality that we're rehearsing again the gospel. The the giving of Jesus for our salvation and life, to remember and give thanks in the process. And and this is for everyone who's given their yes to Jesus as their saving king. If that's you, this is for you. Please join us. If it's not, you can just let that kind of pass you by. But I might ask, you just to stop and think, like, what would stop you from opening your life? The way that Sean did, as he explained in, in his story, for this moment is maybe your moment to step inside. It could be a homecoming for you. If that's you today, I invite you to say yes to him and just make sure that you tell somebody, myself or, or, or somebody that you came with. Now, for those who are followers of Jesus This is a moment for us to remember again God's deep love for us, his giving of his life. So we're just going to focus there for a moment. Just consider what he's done for you. And as you do, if there's anything in your life that you just need to say, you know, God, I I want to confess this area that I've lived in self-centeredness. Maybe there's something that I... I've been up to that I know isn't really what you've made me for or maybe there's things I've failed to do good things you've called me to do and I've said no this is a chance for us to again open ourselves to God's forgiveness that freely comes to us we don't earn this we simply receive it and then we choose to live in it so maybe this is just a moment for you to turn back to Jesus and to following him it's a moment for all of us to say thank you and we do today So let's just take a moment to consider those things. Jesus, your life was broken so that you could mend ours. You gave of yourself in love so that we could know that we were loved and that we could become people of love so we give you thanks today that your body was broken and your blood was shed for us to make us yours forever and more than just making us for you that you're making us like you and you're calling us to participate with you so for this we give you thanks amen I invite you now to take the bread together. Let's take this. And Jesus also took the cup when he was meeting with his disciples before he went to the cross and said, this this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This represents what I'm about to do for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And so together we say thank you, Jesus, that you forgive us, you make us yours, and we are expected of your kingdom come as we anticipate your coming again. Let's take this together.